Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Well, it's good to be back. I feel like I'm home. Um, when Chris called me and asked if I could fill in this Sunday, Cindy and I were traveling, and I thought, oh yeah, absolutely, I'll fill in. Well, I didn't have my calendar with me at the time. And when I got home, I realized that Cindy and I had signed up several months ago for a health screening today. And Cindy's appointment's at 12, and mine's at 12.10. So this comes with good news and bad news. The good news is you will absolutely be out of here by 12 today. The bad news is I'm going to have to just fly out the door at the end, and I'm not going to get a chance to sit and talk and catch up with uh, a lot of old friends. And So I'm disappointed about that, but uh, life is what it is. As I understand it, we're now in week three of uh, the sermon series where we're working through the first, uh, first John. And as Chris uh, has already discussed, 1 John was written to, as a kind of an open letter to the Christian community about uh, to cautioning them about the heresy of Gnosticism that was going through uh, the land at the time. And because of that, uh, the letter focuses real heavily on the incarnation of Christ, uh, the high ethical standards of Christ's life himself, really you know, talking about Christ for who, who he really is. And then it talks about the fellowship of believers. And that, this issue of the fellowship of believers is what we're going to be talking about this morning. If we just kind of quickly walk through where we've gone so far in 1 John, it starts with a statement on the authority of John's teaching. He says, I walked with Christ. He says, what I'm telling you comes with absolute confidence and authority because I walked with Christ. I heard what he said. I heard what he taught. And then he declares that God is light. And to walk in the light is to walk in obedience to God. The alternative is to walk in darkness, in separation from God. It then calls us to repentance, acknowledging that we're all sinners. Every one of us is a sinner. And John makes it very clear, if, if we don't believe that, or if we try and say that we're not sinners, that uh, we're, de we're deceiving ourselves that we're mocking God, and it's a, it's a sign that we aren't truly walking with God, and the Word's not with us, in us if we believe that we cannot sin. Chapter 2 begins by uh, explaining that John is writing this letter to those who read it so that they will not fall into sin, and presumably it's the sin of Gnosticism, because that's kind of the focus of the letter. And then he reiterates the incarnation of Christ, and his sacrifice as the propitiation of our sins. And then he follows that by laying down this test. It's a real down-to-earth test of our faith. He says, do we walk in obedience with God? Do we walk in obedience with God? That's, his, that's a test of faith that he lays out. Then John gets into the meat of his first lesson within his letter and tells us how all of this should play out in our lives, in our Christian walk. In particular, how it manifests itself in our fellowship with, with other people, particularly other believers. So join me this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, open to 1 John. 
And we pick up our study on 1 John in chapter 2, and today we're going to cover verses 7 through 11. And this is what John writes. He says, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Pray with me. Heavenly Fathers, we come to your word today. We pray that the Holy Spirit would be upon each and every one of us, that you would fill this room so that the words spoken and the words heard would be your words. And Lord, that the words would reach out and touch those that need to hear them the most with the power that only you can bring. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's a story. A story about a man who, he was shipwrecked. And he landed on a desert island. He was, he was safe. He got landed on this island. But he lived there for years by himself. Just him on the island all by himself. After many, many, many years, a ship came by, and he was rescued. And as the rescuers came on shore, they were, they were, they were impressed by the fact that he had built kind of this own, his own little society there. He had all these buildings that were set up, and, and, and he was happy to show them around. And so he showed them the first building. He says, this is my house. This is, this is where I live. And they took him over to another building that was built over a stream. He says, this is my bathhouse. This is, this is where I wash up. This is, this is where, I, where um, I, I take care of myself. And they took him over to, to a, another building. He says, this is, this is my food cache. This is where I keep all my food. And they walked over to a fourth building. He said, this is the church where I worship. And people were really impressed. But they said, you know, what about that other? There's one more building here, that one on the hill. He says, oh, that building, that's the church where I used to worship. See, this, this story of conflict within the church goes way back. Conflict within the fellowship of believers. And that's what John is really focusing on our passage this morning. He says, from the, from the very beginning of one's faith, a Christian is taught that how they behave in relationships, particularly in relationships with other believers, demonstrates the health of their relationship with Christ. And he said, and the most powerful indicator is how we treat each other. Now, there's multiple tests that you're going to walk through as you work your way through 1 John. But how we treat each other John tells us is, is, is a window to the world of what our level of intimacy is with Jesus Christ. So let's break down a reading this morning and see what John is, is directing his audience and, and really us today, right? Because although he's written this, writing this letter to a specific group of Christians at a specific time, the words are eternal 
and they come to us as well. So let's see what, what John's telling us that we need to do today, particularly as it relates to loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Starting with verse 7. He says, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Now, depending upon your translations, uh, John messages, uh, um, mentions commandment or commandments nearly a dozen times in his letter. He does that because commandment is a strong thing, right? A commandment is not a suggestion. It's not a kind of, you might want to think about doing this. It's not a, a hope for. A commandment is a, is a, is a directive. And it's a directive with a, that has the, the authority of Christ behind it. And so when he uses this word commandment, he's, he's saying this is, this is important stuff. You need to listen to this. And although he doesn't use his commandment you know, a dozen times in the book of 1 John, he uses commandment twice in this first verse, in 1 John 2, 7. And he notes that it's not new. This is not a new directive. What he's saying is, I'm, what I'm addressing here are, are existing instructions. And, he, and he's basically reminding the reader that they've known these things since the beginning of their Christian walk. And he, and he reinforces that by actually repeating it twice within this particular passage. He first says, I'm not writing you new commandments, an old one. And then he says, this old commandment is the message you've heard. He said, this is something you should already know. He's reinforcing to the readers what Jesus had already taught. The idea that Christian behavior is evidence of our faith. Makes it clear it's not a new idea, but that it's a core aspect of Jesus' teachings. He's telling us that this is, that this is from Jesus' own words. You should know this because this is what Jesus taught. And we know that because we can go back to some of Jesus' final instructions to his disciples before we went to the cross. And he says this, he says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Those are Jesus' own words. The world will know that you are a believer, that you are a follower of me, based on how you love one another. See, love is a window to the world of what it means to be a Christian. We can know the scriptures. We can live a life of overt integrity. We can sacrifice until it hurts and have the greatest faith that mankind has ever seen. But if we get love wrong, we've accomplished nothing. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he put it this way. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. And in verse 7, John is reminding us of that. 
He's reminding the, the, the readers of the commandments that Christ gave to, to, to love one another. And he's saying, this isn't new stuff. You should already know this. And then he moves to verse 8. And he alludes to a new commandment. Maybe more or less a restatement of the old commandment, but a new commandment. He says, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. According to John, he says, this applies to both Christ, he says it was seen in him, and to us as well. It's just, this was what Christ taught. This is how Christ walked. And he's saying, and this applies to you as well. But before he gives the new commandment, John prefaces it with a statement that the light is here and darkness is fading. And in doing so, he's emphasizing that Christian believers have left the darkness. As believers, you've left the darkness. You've left the ways of sin, and you're now walking in the true light of Jesus. In talking to Chris, he said that he's been focusing on God's love for most of this year in his messages. And for good reason. One of the distinct themes of the New Testament is the need to love in the nurturing of our relationships, both inside and outside the church. And there's a reason for that. We love others because God first loved us. God doesn't love us because we're irresistibly lovable. And we're far from it. And he doesn't love us because we meet some sensory need that he has because we don't. He loves us because he is love. He's the source of all love. His very character defines love. Theologian A.W. Tozer uh, says says this about God. He said, nothing God ever does or ever did or ever will do is separate from the love of God. Nothing God ever did, is doing, or will ever do is separated from his love. When it comes to God, love is not a a conditioned uh, emotional response like it is for us. Rather, it's the very essence of his being. It's at the core of his character. And we are made in the image of God. So love should be at the core of our character as well. I'm just going to preface this next passage by apologizing to Chris for jumping ahead in, the, in, the, uh, in his sermon series by reading uh, 1 John 4, 7 to 12. But Jen already read it for us this morning. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And it ends with, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, us, and his love is made complete in us. It's a wonderful passage of the description of God's love and how he showed it to us and how it should be a part of our lives as well. So I want you to keep that imperative in your mind because John is now going to begin to reveal in verse 9 
the new commandment that he's hinted at in the previous verses. He starts with a warning. He says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. His statement is direct, simple. It's easy to understand. He says, those who claim to follow Christ but demonstrate hatred for fellow Christians are actually still walking in darkness. He's saying it's impossible for one who hates other believers to honestly claim to have fellowship with Christ. He's saying that if you are holding on to animosity or hate for other Christians, if you've left that church on the hillside like a guy on the desert island, over some petty offense or something that some dispute that within the church, and you can't forgive and you can't leave that behind, and you've allowed that to, to penetrate your heart, and that is motivating you, you. John says very simply, You're not a follower of Christ. You're not. You're still walking in the darkness. That may sound harsh and judgmental. But John is very clear in his statement. And you can see that by looking at the way he uses this term of light over and over. In the Hebrew thinking, light was the, was the ultimate ideal. All good things were described in terms of light. All evil things, by contrast, were, were uh, referred to as darkness. So it's not surprising to see the concept of being in the light often used in John's writings. In fact, in this letter, in 1 John, up to just the point we're at right now, he's used it four times. In 1 John 1.5, he says, God is light, in him there's no darkness. In 1 John 1.7, we're to walk in the light as, as Christ is in the light. In 1 John 2.8, the true light is already shining. And in 1 John 2.10, whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And this is consistent with John's other writings as well. In the Gospel of John, also written by the Apostle John, it refers to Jesus as the light. And it does that more than 20 times. And in the book of Revelation, also written by John, he knows that God himself will be our source of light. And he tells us that rejecting that light comes with consequences both in this life and in eternity. So when John says, if you hate your brother, another believer, you're walking in darkness, he's making a clear statement that you are not in the light of Christ, that there's something wrong with your relationship with Jesus Christ. He says that let this this that love towards one another is the evidence of your faith. He says the believer who loves his brother abides or remains in the light, which is Christ. Right? The light is Christ. And those who do not, in contrast, are in darkness. And walking in darkness, they're, they're at a minimum failing to obey Christ's commands. And in reality are in danger of falling away completely if they let hate and darkness direct their path. John goes on then in verse 10 to say that uh, the person who loves his brother has no cause for stumbling. 
He says, anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. Again, this is a, this is a reference that you see throughout the New Testament. In the New Testament, often you see this term of, of stumbling or, or tripping or, or falling as representative of a spiritual struggle that you're going through. So verse 10 simply stated, says that the person who loves others has fulfilled the law and is living as they had been called to by Christ. There's no reason for them to stumble. They are walking in spiritual sync with Jesus Christ. Jesus taught in no uncertain terms that everything else in life flows out of our love. Remember when he talked to the Pharisees and they questioned him and they said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law, what did he say? Love your God. Love man. From that, all the other commandments flow. Love was the foundation of the law. Jesus made it clear that we as believers are obligated to express a, a God-like love to one another. A love of commitment and a love of care, of unselfish serving, of active goodwill. He's not calling us to a blind love that's oblivious to our blemishes and faults, but a love that simply says, those don't matter. Those don't matter. It's a love that sees others not as a, as a source of stress or a problem to be fixed, but as a gift to be treasured. And then verse 11 completes this thought on, with a more clear, direct language that hate for others is totally incompatible to the fellowship of Christ. He says, but anyone who hates a brother or sisters is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. John associates the idea of, of hating a brother or sister in Christ as, as walking in darkness, of being blinded by evil and sin. When Cindy and I were traveling, we, we were in, um, in the Pyrenees in France in this remote village and staying at a bed and breakfast, and there were no streetlights at all in the community. Woke up in the middle of the night, there's very little electricity in this building, so there's no little red lights or little green lights or little blue lights illuminating the room. There was no light in the room. Zero. And I woke up and I literally could not see my hand in front of my face. It was so dark. And that's what John is saying here. I mean, that darkness will blind you. That darkness will blind you. And the, the, the consequences of that, as we're stumbling around in darkness, is that um, we could walk away from Christ and not even know we've done it. Because we can't see where he is. We're totally blind. Now let me be careful here. There's a difference between stumbling briefly into darkness and walking um, in darkness as a matter of habit. You know, we're going to have conflicts in the church, right? From time to time, somebody's going to annoy us or a church policy is going to just kind of make us not feel right about it or, or the denomination is going to go in a direction that maybe we're not real comfortable with. Or there, there's, there's, there's things that are going to occur. But what John is saying is deal with those things, get over it, forgive, love your brother, and move on. 
don't lock onto those and allow those to be your motivating factor in life. Because when you do, then you're just walking in darkness as a matter of habit. The person who walks in darkness is in a position of grievous peril. They're in spiritual danger because they have no clear vision or purpose. They're walking in the darkness. They can't see the light. They can't see where they're going. And Jesus made it clear, and John is reiterating it here, that we cannot walk in the darkness, that there's no place for hate or discord within the body of believers. That we as believers will be defined not by our piety, not by how good we are, not, not, but we're going to be defined rather instead by our expressions of love to one another. There's an old song when they first started moving from hymns into praise music, remember? Uh, they'll know we are Christians by our love, was what the song said. And that's true. That's absolutely true. So let's be very clear at what John is telling us in these passages. He's saying hatred of others is a sin which prevents a person from being able to truly follow Christ. It is walking in darkness. He's telling us it is walking in darkness. But the good news is, it, is simply this. That although darkness is powerful, God's love is far more powerful than darkness. God's love has overcome the world. And John, the Gospel of John declares this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness cannot overcome the light of Christ. There's a reason First John put so much emphasis on putting aside hate and showing God's love. That's because now, just as it was when John wrote this letter, we really need to get this love thing right. If not, we cannot be a light in a dark world. If we get it right, we will stand out as a beacon of light in a dark world. So let me close real quick this morning with a writing from Francis Schaeffer that I think puts this all into perspective. And he says this, It is in the midst of a difference that we have our golden opportunity. When everything is going well, and we are all standing around in a nice little circle, there is nothing much to be seen by the world. But when we come to a place where there is a real difference and we exhibit uncompromised principles, but at the same time observable love, then there is something that the world can see, something they can use to judge that these really are Christians and that Jesus has indeed been sent by the Father. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we just ask for your, for your strength and your guidance in, in moving us on this path. Because sometimes it's hard. Sometimes people do things that annoy us. Sometimes things don't go in the direction that we would like them to go. Lord, give us the strength. Give us the resolve. Give us your heart so that we can move past those into the fellowship of love 
with our, brother, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, so that we might be the light in the world that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.